hello everyone this is chetan here uh, i'm your host for the monk reality show and today we are back with another episode of monk reality show and today we have mr sam from malaysia uh, he is the managing partner for uncle j rooms and it's a very big student accommodation uh, company based out of malaysia uh, mr sam why don't you start giving an introduction to our viewers hey chetan uh, thanks for having me um on this episode um i'm very honored um okay just uh, let me introduce myself my name is sam cho from malaysia i'm a managing partner for our company called uncle j rooms uh sundram bahad we are a student accommodation and rental property management company um that's operating in the city of subang jaya selangor in malaysia um we have been around since 1999 so we are now about 21 years in business Oh so today we have approximately 2500 beds um uh, spread out over five locations okay um in terms of units that's roughly 500 units oh. um so we will be adding another 250 units which equates to about 700 rooms to our portfolio um sometime mid next year oh. so that that's one project coming online so our grander vision is um to grow our business to 25000 Oh, uh, in five years time. Yeah, mm. that, that sounds like a pretty or uh, traditional or uh, traditional uh, student housing form. So before we proceed any further, I would like to mm. address the elephant in the room, which is uh, okay. COVID nineteen pandemic, which is going on. Uh, so how is how is that uh, how it has actually affected the entire business of student housing? uh comparing you and your competitors entire student housing uh, industry altogether and second part of that question would be what exactly are you doing to keep your students safe from this children that that's a great question um yes i mean in uh, in short it has it has uh, affected us um i can't really generalize for c region but uh, i think for malaysia uh, it's definitely affecting us so i'll, I'll give you some context You see, usually around this time of the year, we do uh, receive a lot of bookings from the European students. Um, they usually come over for one to two semesters for exchange basis. Um, but majority majority of them actually um, have either postponed their trip or totally cancel it. No. So some of the ASEAN local students they have also postponed their checking um, because a lot of the universities due to the lockdown. They have actually moved all their classes online. So, in a couple of locations, we actually continue to keep our offices open um, because we are classified under so-called essential services, uh, part of accommodation. Okay. So we can't really shut down because we have basically two thousand plus students staying with us now. So we can't exactly just um, shut off per se. So we keep our offices open. Okay. Um so we do cater for them in in the in the events of uh, any emergency maintenance let's, let's say they have a ma- massive leakage or anything we got to cater for that and a couple of these locations we actually manage the electricity for them also so they actually uh do top ups of electricity okay. with our office so these again consider a part of the essential services if we do not open our office that means that potentially the whole building may not have electricity so that's something that the government understood and they said that these part of essential services we have to continue okay okay so because of the current lockdown situation you know everyone is told to stay at home 
So we actually, so what we've done is actually provided um, hotline hotline contact numbers okay. for our students. Okay. So they can contact us for emergency cases because part of our services is also to provide what we call uh, pastoral care to the students. Okay. Okay. So if they're sick or if they're not feeling well, we do take them to the uh, the closest medical clinic or, or hospital. So in this particular case, we understand that we may not be able to be traveling out or we may not be able to send our, our folks out there. So what we've done is we provide them with the, the local contacts, the emergency contacts, nearby hospitals, any emergency, if there's any um, uh, emergency cases where it's related to well-being or health, um, they okay. can contact those ones. So we are keeping our Facebook pages, our WhatsApp hotline um, up to date as we get information from the government. Okay. Um, but as part of the social distancing, we are keeping our office very, very lowly manned so that we don't uh, expose our own people to any uh, health issue. I mean, for us, the safety of our students as well as our team is, is our number one priority. So we want to maintain sure. um, as much as possible everything online. So any transaction that needs to be done, we, we route them to online where possible. Um, so far, I would say it, it's working out quite well. So, uh, when it comes to like people having food, like do you guys provide any food services as well? Because that's when I feel that a lot of people will be coming together. Because in India, how it happens is uh, some of the student housing communities, they provide food facilities as well. And that's like a huge canteen where whenever the lunch is served, all the students will come down there. Is that something that happens in Malaysia? And if yes, then how are you like actually tackling that issue? Most of our accommodation doesn't provide um, canteen style type of uh, food, okay. um, but we do have cafes, uh, small scale restaurants at most of the locations that we offer. Okay. So those restaurants are allowed to be open. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have food deliveries that, that uh, also uh, are allowed. So typically the students will order those food deliveries to be sent to their locations. Um, and also groceries, uh, the hypermarkets, they are allowed to be open. Okay. Um, so we do we do provide them with a list of all the online groceries that they can purchase from, which uh, provide um, deliveries to their location. Um, I think the only issue is potentially there may be some delay. Um, as, as you know, you yeah. know they, especially with the lockdowns, there's always panic buying and you end up having shortage of goods. True, true, true. It's just that we need to like get all together and take care of this and it's just that you need to stay at home don't board all the supermarkets and buy as much as possible you don't have to do that there is no necessity for that and let's hope that uh, we tackle the pandemic as early as possible because it's hitting all the businesses everywhere so let's hope for the best <laughs> uh, so yeah. uh, uh, just uh, i would like to understand more about the uj rooms like how how when like when did you guys started and how does it operate how many cities you guys are in so can you give me a bit more information about that okay let me give you some background we we actually acquired this particular business uh, uj hostel back in 2015 but the okay. business has been around since 1999 but when we acquired over, um, the business was pretty much run down and it was only providing very little services and it was only operating in one location and they were having about 250 beds. 
So since 2015, we have taken over. Hmm. We have added in a lot of services, including our renowned guardianship, our pastoral care. Okay. Um, we also provide free transportation for those students who are staying with us or studying a bit further away. Hmm. Um, so be- because of that, and then over the past five years, we have actually done a couple of uh, joint ventures and recently a mergership with one of our biggest competitor. So today we are roughly as a group 2,500 beds and we are looking to continue to grow um, that. But since 1999 till now, we have been you know, servicing over, I would say easily 30 to 40,000 students from all over the world. Oh, that's good. On average, we typically have about 2,000 students plus staying with us um, okay. because we have capacity about 2,500 today. Mm. And on average, we are looking at anything from 85 to 90% of uh, occupancy. And, and sometimes during the, the big intake months, we do go up as high as uh, 100%. So if you have to give me a tenancy split, uh, let mm. it be male, female, uh, depending on regions, can you just give me these mm. numbers? Okay, um, like I mentioned, we have roughly about 2,000 students staying with us at any one time. Um, depending on the location, we have about five locations today. Um, but the speed is roughly, I would say, 50-50 in terms of male and female. Okay. okay. Um, but in terms of um, demographics, in terms of where they come from, um, I would say 60-40. About 40% are international students. 60% okay. are what we call local students. It could be from the local city or those are outpatient cities within Malaysia. Okay. Um, okay. Average tendency, I would say they will stay approximately around one and a half years. Oh, um, so it does fluctuate throughout the year in terms of uh, occupancy rate. Um, it's, as you know, student accommodation is quite seasonal. Yeah. Um, there are there are times that uh, intakes you have lots of students coming in, then there are times that are they're going to finish their courses, they go out. So you have like a mass exodus. Um, okay. And because our our locations out of our five locations. Um, I would say 95% of it are catering to students. We do have a, a, one of the facility which um, I would say probably about 70 rooms or less okay. that we okay. do cater for working adults, but they are oh. completely separate from the student accommodation. Oh. Um, that okay. is more for us to cater for, for the surrounding demand there. Oh, okay. So you mean to say that can be a co-living as well? if? Uh, you need to say like uh, catering. I mean, are you, is that a plan for UJ rooms to enter into co-living or trying to like test that market as well? Actually, if you think about the co-living concept, you know, if you kind of put it back to what we are actually doing, um, actually we've been doing it from day one. Yeah. The co-living term is actually some someone coined it in the recent times. But if you look at the true nature of co-living where you have a communal spaces where you have um, uh, facilities where you allow people to, to to socialize that is the base the basic nature of what student accommodation is all about if you truly look at it from uh, what, what we understand student accommodation as so you mentioned that you have five locations so how does mm-hmm. does it like in terms of some locations being purpose-built and some being retrofit. Can you give me the split between these five locations? 
Okay, um, I would say out of the five locations, only one location is purpose-built. The rest are all okay. retrofit. Okay. Um, reason being is um, the, the market is still pretty fresh and pretty new in Malaysia when it comes to purpose-built. Okay. So, um, so there's not many um, acceptance in terms of market, in terms of uh, developers, property developers wanting to build this um, purpose build. That there's not not many interest in it at the moment. Okay. So we've been we've been kind of talking about this. We've been kind of engaging the industry players to to kind of really look at purpose build in Malaysia um, for the past two years since 2017. Okay. Um, but there had not been a lot of traction. Okay. Um, yeah. So what we wanted to do was we wanted to kind of prove a point to say that um, purpose built works and it can okay. be done in Malaysia. Okay. So um, to do that, uh, instead of waiting for someone and feeding someone to build one, what we had done was we went out, um, got some minimal funding, and we actually built one ourselves. Um, so we do today. We do have one what we call a purpose built show accommodation. Um, it's total. It's about sixty four rooms only. Um, but it's purely a communal space where you have a communal kitchen, um, a, a social living space, a lounge. Um, so all the facilities that you can come to uh, expect from uh, student accommodations like what you see in Australia, what you see in UK, um, this is what we've done, but it's in a much smaller scale. Again, that was it's more for us to do, uh, you know, um, to prove a point to the developers who say that it can be done. Oh. So, uh, since you have one purpose-built facility and you have four retrofit, uh, in terms of ROI, can you give me some numbers? What is the ROI you are getting when you look at the purpose-built facility and when you look at the retrofit? Okay, our numbers probably a bit skewed because um, we've been starting off with um, retrofit all this while. The purpose-built was only built a couple of years back only. But if you look at it from a purely ROI standpoint, of course, the ROI of the retrofit is doing uh, much better. Because, because okay. if you compare that to the property price back then, um, the investors who invested in those uh, retrofit properties versus what they are getting in terms of rental return, they'll definitely get higher. Um, but the purpose bill, um, whatever they've invested in it, whatever return that we're providing to the investors is definitely much better than what they can come to expect um, if they invest themselves in, in other property-related um, tools or whatever. So right now, all the five locations are owned by UJ Rooms or how is how does it work? Okay, none of the properties are owned by us. So okay. we wanted to move away from any of the ownership. Reason being, uh, it's a couple of points. One, we wanted to be neutral in a way that we, we want to, to tell our property owners that we do not uh, pick sites. You see, the moment we start owning any of the properties, the, own, yeah. the property owners who come and let us manage their properties, they always ask us this question. Mm. Are you going to prioritize your own property yes. first versus mine? Or is it mine over yours? And how do you differentiate that? So to avoid all of those, we never own any of the property. Okay. But having said that, um, a lot of our property investors today are the group of uh, investors that we have created. Oh, okay. So these are the group of people that have followed us. So wherever we go and we want to invest in a new location, we work with the property developers, uh, take up uh, some units uh, from a bulk purchase standpoint, talk to our investor to say that, hey, we, may, we managed to get this deal. Are you guys interested? We work out the management 
uh, fees, etc., to kind of give them an estimated return on investment. Okay. Then typically these are the group of people because they already um, enjoy the ROI, the good ROI that we've been providing to them. They typically will continue to invest in new locations that we, we get into. That's that's pretty great actually creating a group of investors who know that you might you will be taking a good decision uh, which will be in favor of them. That's actually pretty great move. Mm-hmm. So what is the mm-hmm. split you do like uh, when it when you're working with landlords or uh, uh, property owners? What is the split that you do? Uh, let's take one single room and then you can give me a split on that. How much goes to the owner and how much is kept by UJ Hostels and how much like when it comes to operations wise how much do you incur operational expenses uh, if you don't mind in terms of percentage that'll be really helpful okay typically uh, it also depends on the properties but in general anything that is apartment or condominium uh, that is a bit newer maybe three years or below uh, we will take anything from 12 to 15 percent okay anything that is of older age um, and maybe landed property then we'll take anything from 15 to 20 percent. Okay. Reason being is we take a higher percentage for the older property is because the frequency of maintenance tends to be higher. Okay. Um, whereas the newer property, the frequency of maintenance is it's, it's lower. It's more about changing light bulbs and maybe some some pipe leakages, okay. aircon not cold. Um, versus the older properties, you tend to have cracks, you tend to have termites issue. So. So some of these, that's the reason why we are asking for a bit higher percentage. So take for example, on average, we are about 15%. So if let's say we take a rental of a thousand ringgit mm-hmm. um, for for rental, um, 150 will come to us, 850 will go to the owner. So what do we cover in terms of 150 or the 15%? We will cover them basically a one-stop solution. The only thing that will charge them um, that, that you need to pay for it's uh, internet service provision. So if uh, if there's an internet um, line there, they have to pay for it. Um, any damages or any things that are uh, what we call wear and tear, um, we will help them to fix it and then they'll reimburse us through the deduction. But if it's anything that's um, damaged by students or willful damages by the tenants, we will go ahead and fix it and charge it back to the student. So every month for the owner, they basically um, just sit back and wait for uh, for the rental to close into yeah. the bank account. So they don't even need to do any room viewing, room showing, uh, check-in, check-out. We'll do all this for them. So also, uh, when it comes to uh, manage like maintenance activities, do you charge, uh, like is the charge borne by UJ rooms or is it borne by the owner? if there are any maintenance activity that needs to happen. For wear and tear items, uh, the owners need to pay for it. Okay. So let's say for example, over time, uh, the pipe starts to leak or start to crack or the, or the wall starts to crack. Okay. Um, there's any leaking um, with the aircon. Those will be borne by the owners. You will repair for them and then it will be borne by the owners. Okay. Um, let's say the fridge is spoiled, the washing machine is spoiled. Um, it will be borne by the owners, but like I said, if it's uh, students punch a hole through the front door, um, those are willful damages, um, we will get the students to pay for those. So uh, now coming to the marketing part of uh, UJ Rooms, 
how do hmm. students find you uh, and like how do you market your properties uh, to fill the supply that you have built what all things do you do when it comes to marketing your properties okay so our business model it's it's a it's a bit unique if you compare to our competitors um we we rely not just on property property uh, agents or social media we we rarely do that um so what we do is from day one the business has always been going towards building relationships and collaboration with the education institutions basically universities colleges and then these universities and colleges typically they will have um education agents throughout the world no. within malaysia throughout the world they will bring students refer students to them and typically as we work with the universities universities will refer us to these agents and we work together with the agents very very closely so bulk of these agents are either from malaysia the biggest uh, out of malaysia is actually uh, the indonesian agents Okay. Our our level of support for these agents up to and including we actually like for example like once once uh, twice a year we will fly to Indonesia okay. when they have education fair okay. um, where all the universities congregate there to do um, promotion of their courses to students in the fair we will be there also to support universities as uh, accommodation provider. Oh. So I would say 95% of our business today comes from this referral model. The rest comes from social media. Um we don't really have a website today. Uh reason being is because we don't do any online booking unlike booking.com or agoda we don't do that. Okay. Um in terms of real estate agencies like I mentioned we 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 rarely I think we hardly even have any real estate agencies that work with us. So um that's the current method used by our competitors either they use the agents or they list themselves on property websites. So for us we we maintain our Facebook site, our Instagram site. So we we went the totally the opposite route. Okay. And then uh, some of the universities in Malaysia we actually have official agreements with them. Um some of these uh we are actually the official off campus student accommodation for the universities. Oh. Yeah so for us at this moment I would say I can say this say lah that we do have um more demand than than you can able to get supply so the speed of getting the supply is becoming a roadblock for us now that's oh. the reason why we're starting to work a lot closer with property developers um to look at how do we move forward and build more purpose built student accommodation in Malaysia oh. so that as we get uh um, increase in the demand will have okay. supply um readily available so you mean to say that in upcoming years there is going to be a huge demand so for that there has to be a supply built i would say the supply will i mean sorry the demand will continue to grow um we are estimating that the student of um student coming in from overseas as well students from within malaysia um on average you're looking at the growth it's anything from 5% and above but our growth of supply in terms of our units mm. we are not able to to grow that fast today because we are working with one to one property owners and okay. to us that is too slow so what we have done is today we're working with a, a few property developers that they are interested and they are committed to build purpose built student accommodation in Malaysia so over the next Four to five years, um, you will see a lot more of this popping up in Malaysia, 
um, that are purpose-built student accommodation and chances are we are the uh, property management company working on it. That's great. That's great to hear. Uh, you also, so I would like to go back to the word when you mentioned that you have been doing co-living from day one. Uh, hmm. So, of course, co-living comes with a community aspect. Now, what correct, exactly correct. does UJ Rooms do to engage its community and what all things are done and can you just give me a bit more about what kind of community that UJ Rooms has? Okay, that is actually one of our strengths and one of our differentiation points. You see, many of our competitors, what they do is they purely just provide accommodation or they act as a middleman um, or providing a space. But for every location that we get into or we operate, typically we wanted to make sure we're able to control as much supply as possible in one location to make it financially feasible. But it also allows us to have a stronger influence over the building management's office. What does that, what does that mean? With, with, with this type of influence or control, um, we can actually influence what amenities, what service to be built or retrofitted in the building. You see, when a property developer develop or build a building, typically they have residents or their families in mind. So they probably have a small gym, a big children playground, small little uh, common area. Those are not going to work very well with student accommodation. So what we've done is when we take over this place, we'll start to change some of these. For example, I'll give you an example. One of the locations recently, we have um, took one of the study pavilion or the common area okay. and convert that into a gym. So the gym today um, versus what was originally built is three times the size. And then we took one of the common area that previously was just a empty pavilion space for someone to sit and have tea. Um, we glass up that whole place up, put in aircon, and we make that into a study lounge for our students. And then um, certain areas, we also uh, bring in what we call our co-living space. We, we bring in things like cinema rooms, game rooms. Um, we have a, a small cafe, small laundry. So these are the things that we continue to bring into the locations that we have. So on top of all these amenities, what we do also, we have uh, people that at our offices where they are not, I would say they're not certified counselors, but they are experienced people that work with students long enough so that we do provide some sort of free counseling service for them. So this is more around another topic that we are very, very passionate about and, and I personally uh, lead in this area. It's the mental health space. Um, we start to realize there's a lot of students as they come over from overseas coming in first time, leaving their home for the first time. Um, they typically get into depression, into loneliness. They tend to get into these mental health um, issues. So we try to get um, get them to be to build a community around there uh, with people in Malaysia, with people from their own countries. We talk to them and see what we can do. Um, a lot of times they also come and talk to us in terms of what they wanted to study. So we kind of gave them our opinion. So it's more of, again, coming back to our pastoral care. It's as if they go and talk to their father. If they don't want to talk to their father or they're they, they embarrassed about it, they can talk to us and we become sure. a neutral sure. party for them. Yeah. So like I say, if you look at community living, that's what they are trying to do to build all this community and to build services and also to build a lot of events. So typically some of the events that we, uh, that we do is whenever we have a big intake, 
So typically in a year, we have three to four big intakes. Um, when this big intakes come, typically they are about 100, 200 people. We would um, gather them together one the night. We provide them free food. Oh. So through buffet, um, then we'll do a presentation to them to tell them what the house rules, what are the services they can come to expect from us. Um, introduce them to the, the entire team if they need anything, who to talk to. Um, so that is also how we kind of quickly create a safe and a comfortable environment for all these students coming in for the first time from their home country. That's great. That's actually pretty great. The counselling part, I, I really like the counselling part actually because uh, as uh, it actually the social distancing before the uh, pandemic, there, it was already existent and a lot of people don't really talk to anyone else right now. Everyone is in their phones and everything. So that's when a counsellor becomes a good help, a huge help in overcoming any kind of insecurities or any kind of issues they have. That's a pretty good uh, move uh, UJ Rooms has done. I really like that. So uh, now uh, one thing I wanted to ask, so a person staying in a purpose-built facility compared to a retrofit will have to pay any kind of extra taxes or anything? Is there like a government norms on top of that or is it the same? Uh, today we don't have anything uh, of that of that nature but like, like I mentioned because purpose-built student accommodation is also not something that is regulated at this moment. Actually student accommodation in general it's not regulated per se in okay. Malaysia. Okay. Um, the only thing is um, for international students versus local students, if they stay in um, accommodation, let's say a hotel or anything, um, government imposed a 10 ringgit per night tourist tax. Okay. But because okay. of student accommodation, we are exempted from that. So because of that, um, the students actually no difference. Uh, they don't pay anything more premium or anything um, staying in PBSA versus the, the normal rooms. Okay. So uh, now, if you can, if you have to give me a split between uh, students staying in uh, university provided housing and uh, mm -hmm. compared to a private uh, student housing uh, places, so what will be a percentage split if you have to give me that? Uh, my estimate is probably around the 50-50 mark. Um, reason being is um, we do have a lot of uh, public universities, the local public universities where they do provide large quantity of on-campus accommodation. But from okay. the private ones, um, not many of them are providing that, but they are a handful where they do invest in small quantity of uh, on-campus accommodation. But okay. what we understand from all these universities in general, um, almost none of them make money from their on-campus accommodation. It's typically oh, okay. a cost center for them. So for oh. them, there's not much of an incentive for them to have on-campus accommodation except doing it out of um, out of a necessity, out of a basic requirement they need to provide. Otherwise, students would not choose them as a potential place to come to study if they realize that they don't even have any on-campus accommodation. Okay, okay. Okay. Mm. So, uh, before moving on to our next round, I have one final question mm. for you. Where do you see sure. the student housing market in the coming years? Moving forward, you will see a lot more purpose-built student accommodations going to mushroom up, um, okay. especially in Malaysia. 
I'm seeing Singapore is also putting a lot of effort into this. Um, they do have um, companies and they do have so-called consultants that are talking about this. But for them, they are more looking at it from an investment standpoint because of their scarcity of land okay. and because of the nature of their university market. Um, but in terms of even in Malaysia, as we, look, as we kind of promote this purpose-built student accommodation, most of the interest that we're hearing in terms of investment are coming from Singapore okay. or China. But if you look at from a Southeast Asia region, mm-hmm. in terms of student hub, not many locations actually has that many or that established or that experience in having um, education hub um, as probably as old as Malaysia. So if you look at um, even Thailand, Vietnam, Myanmar, Indonesia, they do have pockets here and there. Um, and a lot of these universities are also uh, pretty new. Um, yeah. They are just starting to start up. Um, so in terms of uh, student accommodation, probably none over there. Or probably yeah. even if they have, is uh, more of private managed, more of just normal rentals um, by private owners. So for me, I think the market the, the epicenter, if you really look at it, uh, it's still going to be in Malaysia for the at least a good five to ten years time. Oh, that that was a really good uh, session. So now we have something uh, fun which we ask a lot of our new uh, guests. So these are some fun questions we try to ask to understand more about them and their life and everything. So uh, my first question is, uh, can you tell me one funny incident that ever happened in your uh, student housing facilities? which you still remember and you keep laughing about it? There was this um, recent case um, okay. one of the students um, was requesting for us to um, to replace their cooking gas cylinder. So in Malaysia, okay. um, cooking gas is not packed in. So you need to buy okay. in gas cylinder. Okay. So being a foreign student, so he, he wasn't aware that it cannot be refilled one. And then um, secondly, he doesn't know what was the name of the gas cylinder. Okay. So he, because we have a WhatsApp chat group for every unit that we manage. Okay. So he dropped a he dropped a message in the group chat to saying that hey, can I have my balloon refilled? <laughs> so I was puzzled. I was asking him, what do you mean by a balloon? Okay. So I was asking my guys. I said, did you guys sell him a balloon or do you guys give him a balloon or anything? So he, then now my guy said, no, no, we we never gave him any balloon. So I asked him, hey. You send me a picture of this balloon. What are you talking about? Then he sent me a picture of the gas tank. You know, when I look at it, I almost <laughs> fell off my chair. <laughs> so I politely tell him, I say, "Hey, this is a gas cylinder. It's not a balloon. Um, okay. <laughs> no problem. We'll, we'll find yeah. someone to replace it for you." That's pretty yeah. funny, actually. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, okay, uh, moving on <laughs> to the next question. If not Malaysia, which country would you have? Would you have been uh, starting your student housing from? Um. I would say probably Australia. Australia is a good market. Even it's a very established market today. Okay. Um, I felt that we have a, a unique value proposition that we're able to provide. Um, that is a, that can provide a very differentiated uh, experience to students. I pretty much grew up there. I, I, I did my studies there. Oh. So I'm kind of familiar with Australia. So I know what's the the market. It's it's. It's like, and you know, my ex- personal experience as a student there, renting a room from a property agent. So I felt that 
today they do have some so-called PBSA, also retrofitted PBSA. They take okay. uh, condominiums, apartments, and, and make it into single accommodation. Okay. Um, you know, if you compare to Caucasians versus Asians, I think the Asians, to a large extent, will still have a lot of the familial touch, a lot of the people touch compared to the Caucasian. I felt if with that and with our understanding of how Asians, uh, millennials think and millennials uh, act like, uh, we felt that we were able to provide a much um, differentiated service compared to what Australians can. So I, I would look at Australia potentially a market for us to get into maybe sometime in the future. Now moving on to my last question, top books related to real estate that you would like to recommend to our uh, viewers? Okay, for me, um, I would actually, rather than books, I would actually recommend um, if anyone interested to look at this particular industry, look at what um, UK and Europeans have done in this space, especially in the past two to five years. Um, they've been talking about student accommodation for the past five years or so, um, but only really spikes up significantly in the past two years. If you, and it's very fluid, you know, changes are happening as we speak. You know, every week I look at some of the new projects that are launching. And they're also talking about today merging of uh, co-living concepts, standalone co-living space with okay. student accommodation. They actually have a new term for it. They actually, previously they call it purpose-built student um, accommodation. Today they are co- they're calling it purpose-built social living. Instead of PBSA, they're calling it PBSL. So they're calling another okay. new term to it. Okay. Yeah. So many markets in Asia is also eyeing um, this particular industry. So I think China itself is also explosive in this market, mm-hmm. um, but it's a separate story altogether. You know, there is more of a local play. Yeah. So for me, we are living in a time where where books is kind of um, uh, unless it's an autobiography, is less relevant compared to the information that we can get from the internet. I'm not saying that books are not relevant. Um, definitely certain topics there are still but for me I will go go to the internet um, just for me you know today I'm just following some of the big boys in UK and Europe just by their Twitter and their LinkedIn feed I've learned so much from them and you know what they do what are the topics that they covered um, it's, it's just just a very very fluid very dynamic very up-to-date information that you can just just get from them so I you know anyone interested I recommend just just look at this you can learn a lot from it that's great that's great sam it was really great having you on our show and uh, we look forward to uj rooms becoming bigger and bigger uh, not just in malaysia maybe across southeast asia and uh, we wish you all the best and we'll meet you soon 